This episode of It's All Genre to Me was brought to you by my mother. Melissa Baldwin has been an avid supporter of Moon Knight, watches the show multiple times, calls and texts me weekly to discuss, and listens to the episode every week to uh, hear more of our thoughts and opinions. Now, if you're an avid listener like Melissa Baldwin, um, I hope you would consider supporting the show by potentially buying an ad read such as this one. Now, during these ad reads, um, I'm willing to do just about anything that I don't consider to be completely morally corrupt. So if you want to spend $10 for a beginning, ending, or mid-roll ad read, um, you know, if it's a minute or two, I'll read a scene from Jim Carrey's The Mask. I'll uh, do a voice. I'll do a birthday shout-out. Um, I'll read your Tinder bio. I will um, read... I- I'll promote your Poshmark. Hey, go go to my mom's Poshmark. That's good. Um, I can tell people to go to your Poshmark. And... Uh, we can, we can also maybe set up some dates. Make it be like the classifieds. You know, if you like pina coladas, uh, getting caught in the rain. Uh, if you, I don't know, hate yoga and have half a brain. I don't know what that fucking song is about. Um, maybe you can find someone else who loves genre television and Moon Knight as much as we do. So please feel free to like, subscribe, and buy an ad. Thanks so much. In 2017, Marvel launched America, their first comic to headline a queer Latina superhero. The hero in question? America Chavez, codenamed Miss America, first introduced in 2011 as a guest member of several teams. The daughter of two mothers from the utopian parallel and a lesbian herself, America has the power to travel the multiverse by punching star-shaped portals into alternate realities. Her initial solo run was canceled after only a year, but in late 2020, it was announced that the character would be portrayed by Sochi Gomez in a live-action film. This is not her story. Wanda Maximoff, otherwise known as the Scarlet Witch, has been part of the Marvel Comics universe since 1964. Debuting with her twin brother Pietro, aka Quicksilver, as children of the evil mutant Magneto, Wanda eventually joined the Avengers, where she fell in love with the android Vision. When the Marvel Cinematic Universe introduced Wanda in 2015's Avengers Age of Ultron, they stayed largely true to her comic storyline. The 2021 Disney Plus show WandaVision even introduced Billy and Tommy, children Wanda believes are her and Visions, but who in reality are only an illusion. Their loss will send her scouring the multiverse for a world in which her children are real. This is also not her story. A year after Age of Ultron, Marvel introduced Doctor Stephen Strange to the cinematic universe through a standalone film. In it, a white man with a god complex and some damaged hands must travel to the Far East to discover a mysterious and mystical power that will allow him to fix his fingers and also take up the mantle of Sorcerer Supreme. After mastering the Time Stone and using its powers to defeat the Avengers' arch-nemesis Thanos, Doctor Strange has returned to New York, where he spends his time cleaning up magical snowdrifts and doing favors for Spider-Man. Whether or not this is his story is also a bit unclear. This week on the podcast, we discuss Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. One podcast to rule them all. 
One podcast to find them. One podcast to bring them all. And in the darkness, find them. The game is on, Watson. I've got a bad feeling about this. What if I'm not the hero? What if I'm the podcast guy? I'm made of rocks, as you can see. But don't let that intimidate you. You don't need to be afraid. Unless you made of scissors. <laughs> Just a little rock, paper, scissors joke for you. You know, I'm something of a scientist myself. I am genre podcast. It's all genre to me. Hello everyone, welcome to It's All Genre to Me, a podcast where every movie is a masterclass in how to use, fuse, and abuse the tropes of genre. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. And today, we're talking Multiverse of Madness. Why the origin story isn't dead, or shouldn't be. We, uh, we have some new taglines? Yeah, we're getting professional over here. Wow. Yeah, as you guys might have heard, we've been trying to figure out what the thesis of the show is. Yeah, Moon Knight is over, and... Bye, Moon Knight! See ya, Moon Knight. And we don't want the podcast to be over, so we have been talking about what we're going to do from here on out, and I think we're pretty excited about it. Yeah, so we're planning on trying to make some more specific arguments about genre TV and film and kind of how they influence each other, and how certain tropes make and break stories, and kind of what that means to us as people who are trying to break stories into components, um, and also as avid genre TV and film watchers and fans. Should we get into Multiverse of Madness? Yeah, so without further ado, we're going to talk about the new Doctor Strange movie, Multiverse of Madness. Wow. Wow. What a movie. Some little context, I guess, yeah, we should do? Yeah, yeah. Go into the yeah. context yeah. zone? Do we have a... Stepping into the context zone. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. We counted, and this is the 28th MCU film. That is an obscene number of movies. Yes. And I think I looked on Letterboxd, too, every movie that is based on a Marvel property, and I think there's, like, 50 or oh something. Oh, my God, so many. Because so many of them have been produced by Sony and Fox yeah. and Universal. Yeah. But of the ones produced by Marvel Studios that are, like, technically canon, 28, it's the sequel to the 2016 Doctor Strange movie, as well as WandaVision, they're kind of doing something new here. This is the yeah. first movie property to directly reference a Disney Plus show. Yes. And do you think it worked? Not really. No. No. <laughs> Unfortunately not. I mean, I think part of the problem is that they gave Wanda so much character development in the show, and then in order to kind of pay that off, they were put into a weird box where they had to, like, try to give her enough motivation independently for, you know, people who don't have a Disney Plus subscription and just wanted to go to the theater and see a movie, try and give enough context to her motivations to, like, make them compelling uh, while also not making it, you know, boring or repetitive for people who'd seen the show. And I think they kind of didn't do either. It didn't really tell yes. us anything we already knew. 
or continue her story arc. Sorry, are we getting into spoiler country? Let's not get into spoiler country yet. Not yet, because I just remembered something else, which is that Kevin Feige also had said that What If is canon now. Yeah, I didn't watch that one. I think was a big mistake because, one, What If... The idea of what if is that it's not canon. It's what if yes. such and such happened instead of mm-hmm. the thing that is canon. So yeah. to me, that was like kind of subverting the entire premise. But then I actually thought without getting into spoiler country, the what if episode was better. Like mm-hmm. the what if episode was a much more cohesive journey Interesting. wrapped into 30 minutes. And it was distinctly about Doctor Strange. And so I think a lot of people who had seen the What If episode went in being like, is this literally going to be a two-hour version of a 30-minute animated TV show? Mm. And is it going to relitigate the things? And it doesn't, and it felt really unfair to me because it was like, these two things were distinct and maybe like referential, Mm -hmm. but beyond that, there's no reason to make What If canon other than you're like, one has this kind of strange and the other also has that strange. Right. I know. I I think What If to me felt like a weird pilot program, like testing things out in animated form. And then if anything was popular, okay, we'll make a movie about it. Which well, and that seems like well with me. I, you know, I actually think it's fine. I think there's a lot of animated TV shows that do that. You know, I think that was kind of how a lot of, you know, X-Men films and I mean, that's how comic books are. You that's shoot true. till you're hot. You get, you know, thousands of episodes. But then why make it canon? Yeah. Why not say, like, oh, we had one episode that was a huge success. Turns out, in our universe, almost the exact same thing happened. Crazy. Crazy. Well, yeah, and we'll get into that, kind of, the the similarities across the multiverse. But before we get into that, there's kind of two other points of context that we wanted to give, which is really interesting, because if you go to the theater right now, you can go see Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, and then you can do a double feature and go see another multiverse movie. Mm-hmm. There's another one out right now. It's mm-hmm. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, which I highly recommend if you haven't seen It's excellent, but it also explores a lot of the same themes, premises of this idea that every different version of you that fulfilled a different kind of amount of potential or went down a different path, made a different choice, has spawned this other universe. And this is about people getting in contact with their alternate selves and kind of seeing what their life could have been like in another world. And I think that, I don't know, does that resonate thematically for some reason? With where we're at in 2022, is there a reason that multiple filmmakers are making these movies? I wonder if it's just that being, you know, especially like in the pandemic, like when Mm. you're at home, so many people feel like there has been time lost and it's hard not to speculate what would have happened during that time. Yeah. Like if you're, you know, I've been in my mid 20s and, you know, it was hard to think like, oh, I've finally gotten a professional job. I finally have all this like autonomy. I can do all these things. I can make these choices. And then feeling like suddenly all my choices had gone away because I don't get to leave the house. I don't get to pick a new job. I don't get to pick my hobbies. And then what if that makes me think like I would rather dream about the alternate universe where I'm actually a sorcerer supreme. That's a really great point. And it makes me think about the fact that, you know, movie production takes a while. I think Doctor Strange was probably in pre-production before the pandemic started. For sure. But a lot of the production happened during the pandemic. Everything everywhere at all at once. Plandemic. <laughs> oh my god. No, don't say that. <laughs> Algorithm, we're kidding. The bots, disregard. This episode got 5,000 listens? No way! Plandemic, plandemic, plandemic. Oh my god. 
<laughs> but Everything Everywhere All at Once was also in production during the pandemic. And so, yeah, I think that that probably was influencing a lot of people creatively in this, you know, kind of question of who could we have been if yeah. this hadn't happened? Yeah. Where, where could we have been in our lives? Yeah. What could this movie have been if they'd made some different choices? <laughs> But the choice... That, is there a universe where this movie is good? <laughs> <laughs> According to people on IMDb, probably. But one of the choices I think that they made that was very strong was to have Sam Raimi direct this movie. Oh my god. Which, he's your guy. So the light should, of my life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I've, I've pitched Sam Raimi before. I believe I pitched Sam Raimi during Moon Knight. Mm-hmm. We said he should have directed Moon Knight as a Jewish-American man who also lost a brother in a tragic accident. Yes, yeah, sort of a genre anthology series, like, you know, all these really specific takes on each episode and horror, and I think he would have been great. But he still brings a lot of Sam Raimi-ness to uh, Multiverse of Madness. And so I think I mentioned this before as well, that he directed Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness. And the original Spider-Man movies. The original Spider-Man movies. Which is kind of wild because this is 20 years after Spider-Man came out. And wow, the superhero genre has come a long way. Yeah, yeah. And so um, if you're interested, I kind of go into a deep dive on Instagram with like, you know, five paragraphs uh, talking about why Sam Raimi should have directed this. And you should like it because it only got like three likes. And even my mom, who said she read it, didn't like it. And I was like, what stopped you from liking it? And she was like, she was like, I didn't really know who Sam Raimi was. So I felt like I couldn't like it. And I'm like, I'm desperate for likes. You can like anything (laughs) at any cost. We won't ask. We won't ask questions. No, but we will ask for likes, which is what I'm doing now. Yeah, so 20 years ago, Sam Raimi kind of got to bring in a new genre of film. You know, the X-Men had come out, Blade had come out. Mm -hmm. But other than that, there really wasn't a good idea of what superhero films were supposed to be yeah and those two superheroes were completely different so this was at a time when like everything under the sun hadn't been done Mm -hmm. and so like the x-men were this ensemble of really serious adult superheroes and so spider-man was like the first kid hero like way more comic booky way more silly just really interesting and so sam raimi has taken a very long hiatus from directing you know he's he's had a few oscar bait films here and there like in the mid 2000s directed a few tv series but for the most part he's kind of been laying low and like trying to figure out how to strike gold twice after directing evil dead or three times after directing Mm spider-man and being like you just you don't always have that many opportunities to direct an amazing film and so now 20 years later he's coming back and sort of bringing in what i think we're gonna call like a new generation of superhero films where it's like when you've been doing this for 20 years and there's been 30 plus movies, mm-hmm. everything under the sun has been done. Yes. And so now you need to bring in a new generation of how can you do two, three, five things at once to make it more interesting than the last 20 years of films. Yes. And yet, I think what we're going to argue in this episode is that even 20 years later, the origin story should not be dead. That if we move away from anything in the superhero genre, it should not be the origin story. And that is such a classic trip. I mean, Spider-Man, Iron Man, Captain America, Hulk. I mean, all of... You think of any of the early superhero movies and they are the origin story of a hero. Yeah. And I think 
more recently we've started to see the most recent Batman movie that came out was not an origin story. That was year two Batman. He had already been Batman for a while. And they kind of said, well, everyone knows who Batman is. So we don't have to tell you how he became this hero. He already is this hero. And now here's what he's facing. And I think that while you can get away with that for a character like Batman, who everyone does know, even if they've never well, seen Well, there's also been movies, like 13 films or yeah, something Yeah, there's been insane. a lot of Batman movies. I think when introdu- introducing new heroes and new characters, they deserve their own story for sure and uh we should talk about that yeah i think this movie kind of struggled to thread that needle between like whose movie it was Mm -hmm. i don't think it's a spoiler to say that it's starring or it features dr strange wanda and america chavez Mm -hmm. and it it can't figure out who's the main character Mm -hmm. and i think it kind of does unfortunately all three of them in injustice where i'm like i would have loved to see just a scary dr strange film yep i agree Should we head into spoiler country? I think so. All right. Now boarding. Hello, everyone. This is your captain speaking. We will be beginning our descent into spoiler country. The local time is spoiler o'clock. Please use caution as you listen on, because as I said, it's all spoilers from here. All right. Well, you beat me to the punch on this one, because I was going to (laughs) say, as my first thesis statement, that this movie did not know who its main character was. We had three different storylines going on. Basically, we have the story of Wanda, who is trying to find her kids. These kids, if you didn't see WandaVision, this was kind of her way of processing her grief around Vision's death was that she created this fake reality where she had a home, she had a husband, Vision, and then they had kids. And in the end of the show, when she has to come back to reality, the kids are not real. But she becomes convinced that there is somewhere in the multiverse where they are. So that is kind of what brings us into this movie. She's searching for her kids. Then we also have Doctor Strange, and he seems on some level to be dealing with the like question of did he make the right choice during Endgame when he decided that Tony Stark had to sacrifice himself. Was that the right thing to do? and he seems to kind of be having some doubts. And then we also have, on top of those two things, an origin story for America Chavez, who is, I think her superhero name is Miss America. They never call her that in this film. But um, she is a character from this alternate world, and her power is that she can punch portals through the multiverse and travel across universes. And um, they could not decide whose movie it was. They called no. it Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't think it's It feels it's a little like movie. Captain America Civil War where you're like, who? Who? But at least Captain America Civil War was centered around... I, I, there was like bigger things at stake and lots of characters involved, but it was this tension between this like ideological position held by Tony Stark and Captain America, and involved Tony's mom, and Captain America's best friend, and it was very yeah. personal. I mean, to me, then, maybe it should have been named, you know, Captain America and Tony Stark have a little war. <laughs> <laughs> Captain America versus Iron Man. Yeah. Ooh. But at least for Civil War, that's also the name of a run of comics, mm-hmm. you know, so I think they were pulling from that, whereas I don't know if, I mean, is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness a comic run? I don't know. Listeners, you don't can correct us. us. We, we're not comics experts, but I don't know. Who did you, did you feel like there was one character who kind of got more of the spotlight? I do think Dr. Strange was supposed to be the main character, mm-hmm. but this is when I come back to the hero's journey 
where yeah. I really... He did literally sort of enter into the different dimensions mm-hmm. of... um. What's that guy's name? Why do I want to call him Sam Rockwell? Oh my god. <laughs> Joseph Campbell. Oh. <laughs> that Strange does get to go into the dark world and face his demons and... Kind of. But what are his demons? Well, yeah, that's the thing. Is that, like, it It was almost, like, so literal. Yeah. Where it was, like, you face demon strange. Yeah. And, like... Literal zombie ghosts. Yes, and, like, you are in a literal strange world. Mm -hmm. But the whole thing seemed to be, like, they just kept saying... Because now that... Once you've pointed out that shows say things when they can't make you believe them, Mm -hmm. I've noticed that more and more, that they kept coming back to this verbal, like, Doctor Strange, are you happy? Yeah. And they didn't need to because I already know he's not happy And at no point did he figure out what would make him happy. No. There was no... We started off with Doctor Strange, are you happy? He's not. He's at Christine's wedding. He wishes he had married Christine. Mm -hmm. He goes through the whole movie. He's equally as unhappy and still wishes he had married Christine. (laughs) Yeah, and he doesn't really see any versions of himself that had it better. Or, I mean, I guess he kind of sees some versions who have it worse, if that's supposed to make him feel better about himself, but... It doesn't really give him any sort of clarity on what he wants. And to me, this was a big problem with the movie, because I think that in order to have a strong character arc, your character needs three things. They need a goal, something that they want. They need a motivation, which is a compelling reason to want that goal and to make us root for them to get it. And then they need a conflict, which is some sort of obstacle, which can be internal or external or ideally both, uh, that is stopping them from getting it. And I think Wanda is... The only character who really had that, I mean, she wanted her kids back, which is a very, which is a clear goal. And then kind of failed her on the motivation. I mean, from the TV show, it's okay. She thought she had this perfect reality and she loves her kids and therefore she wants them back. But we didn't really get to experience that with her. Um, So it didn't feel very compelling, especially because we didn't really see why taking America's power was the only way for her to get that. Uh, yeah. So it didn't feel super compelling, but she did have an obstacle, which was Doctor Strange and America. And so they really, in that sense, it did kind of feel like Wanda's movie because yeah. Doctor Strange and America are really just there to thwart Wanda's goal. And they don't really have any goals of their own. Doctor Strange doesn't know what he wants because he doesn't know what will make him happy. Right. And But Wanda's not like an anti-hero either. Like Mm-mm. it maybe would have been cool if like, we were rooting for Wanda. Like, we know she's doing something bad. Mm-hmm. But we really, you know, so bad it's good. Yeah. And you kind of wish that, oh, you know, you can kill one random girl as a treat. Yeah. I And I think that they gave her, again, they put words in her mouth to kind of make her say things like, you know, this is probably what the, uh, all those angry people on IMDb were saying when they were calling this movie too woke. It was either that or the gay moms, but, you know, Wanda said something like, you know, when you break the rules, you're a hero, and when I break the rules, I become a villain, and it's pointing out, you know, the hypocrisy of how men and women are treated in society, which is a valid point to make, except that... Except her point is not valid at all. Yeah, because she then just, like, kills a bunch of people. It's like, well, okay, Wanda, you are the villain, but if it had been presented in a way where, you know, we see how much these kids mean to her... We see that she's tried other things. Mm-hmm. You know, we see that this is the only option left to her and we empathize with her and we want her to have her kids back. Then, yeah, that becomes a really compelling argument. 
I'm remembering all the dumb little rules of the universe because mm-hmm. I don't want to get too much into the plot, but like the reason she has to go get her get America's powers is so that she can like permanently like I don't know window shop. What do you what do they call it when you like shadow walk or whatever? Dream walking. Yeah, so she can go occupy another Wanda's body who has children. I thought it was that she can, so she can dreamwalk, she can go into other Wanda's, but if she can have America's power, she can actually physically travel to the other multiverses, kill the alternate version of herself, and take the kids as her own, I think was what I got from that. Okay, but then why wouldn't they just let her do that? Because I was actually going to say, why wasn't that an option? And I think that this was a problem too, is that they tried to give... Doctor Strange and America a compelling reason to want to thwart Wanda because, again, they don't have a real goal themselves, except for this book of Ashante, which is... <laughs> it's a really good this book. Is, okay. I don't know. There must be a term for this. I forgot to look this up. I call it an arbitrary relic. It is something that is literally could be anything. It is an arbitrary magical artifact that becomes the target at which a character is aiming when they have no internal, internally motivated goal of their own. And it's just like, okay, we have to go pull the sword out of the stone. And we don't care that it's, you know, the story of poor King Arthur who, you know, has been told his whole life that he's not good enough and he'll never be good enough. And so he thinks he's unworthy and that makes him worthy. Like, no internal motivation, just sword in stone. Yeah. And this this was that. This was just an arbitrary book that once they get does nothing is immediately destroyed. So s- the most arbitrary relic you can get in order to give them any semblance of compelling motivation to go along with that arbitrary goal, they had to make Wanda bad. And by in order to do that, they just kind of again put words in characters' mouths where it was like, "Okay, well if Wanda gets this power from America, she might go beyond just trying to get her kids and she might enslave the multiverse and they use that verb and it's like what since when she has never indicated that that's what she wanted i know i think it was pulling from like the wandavision part where she had enslaved a whole town i guess but that was like I don't know. I mean, I guess the idea is that, like, if she doesn't just want to live with her kids in isolation and she doesn't want to cause, like, a incursion event where the two realities meld, she wants to create a whole artificial universe where she and her kids can go to school and go to the grocery store and... Yeah. I just wish we'd seen... Because we do see, at one point, a universe where there has been some sort of incursion and, you know, reality is crumbling in on itself. And it's like, I would like to have seen Wanda accidentally cause an incursion Mm -hmm. and have that be, okay, this isn't just some random world that they happen to be in and, oh, wow, something bad must have happened here. No, no, no. Make it Wanda who caused that. And then we see, rather than just being told, oh, she might do something worse than this, let us actually see that whether she means to or not, she is causing irreparable damage to the universe. To the multiverse. Yeah, and show that she doesn't care. Yeah. And that, then like, she would have to, like, to live with her. it and reckon with it and still continues to choose to cause incursion events. Yes. And I... I don't know. I struggle with that, too, because I felt like so much of her character development in WandaVision at the end was, like, her kind of realizing that, like, forcing all of these other people to, like, submit to her wishes for reality was, like, I don't know, bad... Yeah, I just kind of felt like they chose her as a villain and didn't really 
spend a lot of time thinking what this would mean for her character and like yeah no I completely agree I think that's the hard part of when like they pick these stories that have already been half told Mm -hmm. either WandaVision as a TV series was complete or incomplete or you don't have a fulfilling arc for the movie left yeah because you should you should have finished it in the show Mm -hmm. but then if you didn't then you have two half shows yeah exactly and I think at least to like give her a starting point of like, okay, this loose end from the show is that she hears her voice, her boy's voices at the very end. Okay. She wants her kids back, but at least make her think that she's doing the right thing that she's like, Oh, I'm not trying to create artificial children. I'm not trying to create another hex. Like I just want to go through the multiverse and find them for real. And, and I don't think I'm harming anyone. Show a, show her destroy a universe and not see it. That, Mm -hmm. Strange and America are the only two people who see that she's done that and she's not aware. And then they have to confront her with, but look what you did. And she's like, I don't believe you. Like, you're lying because you don't want me to see my boys. And they're like, no, 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 you did this. I don't know. I really didn't find Wanda that compelling and I can hardly even, like, entertain what would have been a better story because I think she was just a bad and a really flat villain. Yeah. And what I've been thinking about the last two minutes is... Who built her that stupid throne city? Oh, I don't know. It just appeared. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, if this is the multiverse, that means that she's the ruler of this universe. Mm-hmm. No, there was no one else in that universe but a bunch of, like, demons. Because I was like, oh, there's going to be, like, a whole, like, Wanda town already built that a different Wanda made. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think the most compelling part of her story to me was the very end of the movie where... You know, America's like, fine, I'll give you what you want. And she shows Wanda her kids, and her kids are terrified of her. And that is the part that gets through to her. And I just wish that that had been the direction it felt like it was heading the whole time. Not in a predictable kind of way, but just in, like, a Mm. building up America as... You have this amazing parallel that they really could have done more with between a childless mother and a motherless child... And the amount of empathy that is possible there between America and Wanda and for America to have had this moment of, wow, what if my moms were searching through the multiverse for me like this? I almost wish I had this mother who cared so much about me that she was willing to tear the universe apart. I don't know. I feel like that could have just punched up that that last scene and I would have been crying. I agree. I also had a different thought mm-hmm. when you were talking, which was that what if Wanda was searching and each time she was finding her boys mm. or different versions of her boys and every single version of her boys was denying her. So she's running, she's like sprinting oh. through the multiverse and getting more and more angry as they continue to deny her. Right. Because I felt like the one instance of her boys being like, we don't like you. My first thought was like, there's a whole fucking multiverse. Yeah. Get after it. Like, go right. find a version that's not as scared. But, like, what if they're all scared? Like, what if that's the strange of it all? Exactly. Is that, like, there are inevitabilities in the universe, and the inevitability is that, like, you're not their mom. Right. And I think that that is... That could have been an amazing story as well, because, you know, that is then a character who is continuing to, like, externalize the problem and, like, okay, this just isn't the right universe, this just isn't the right universe, this just isn't the right universe. Oh, maybe it's me. 
Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, that would have given her a much stronger arc that didn't rely on her just kind of like being arbitrarily evil all of a sudden. Yeah. And I also think that it really could have tied in more closely with Doctor Strange and America and their storylines. I mean, we'll get we'll get to it in a bit, but I think that framing this story from America's perspective could have could have done a whole world of good. And I think putting Wanda as like the foil to America, again, the like motherless child versus childless mother, and then having Doctor Strange just kind of be like a mentor figure who needs to learn a lesson of his own. So it's not necessarily about him. He still gets a little character arc. He still gets to do some growth, but mostly he is there to learn how to not be the one holding the knife and like let America be her own hero. That would have really reshaped the movie. And I think something we wanted to talk about, I mean, if you're ready to kind Mm -hmm. of move to our next point, is that I think Marvel has really been moving away from origin stories is that just me or i think part of the problem is that there's so many marvel characters that like they don't want to be doing so many origin stories Mm -hmm. and also that so many people that have been brought in are like tangentially related yeah that they do get a good origin story like for example wong doesn't get an origin story but wong is an integral part of Doctor Strange's origin story. Yeah. So he doesn't get the Thor and Loki, like all these people have sidekicks or all these people have like kind of tangentially related characters. But what we have here is that they brought in a completely new character from a completely new comic book series Mm -hmm. in a completely new generation. Like it's not like, oh, Iron Man and Doctor Strange and Loki, all these people have like through lines to their characters. There's really not another character like America Chavez Mm -hmm. and like the other characters who have been given origin stories like Captain Marvel absolutely fucking suck. Yeah. And so she's just given this great disservice to be like, you didn't, you didn't get anything. You didn't get to do anything. And now I don't know. And like, not to say I don't care who you are, but like the movie didn't make me care. Yes. And I think that One example that I can think of of a movie recently that actually succeeded in not doing an origin story was uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. That Tom Holland's Spider-Man, we we have seen him in five or six movies now, Mm -hmm. and we've never seen him get bit by a spider. But we also, kind of like the Batman principle, have seen two other Spider-Man origin stories in the last two decades with different actors. So we know how he got his powers. And so to dive into like, okay, he's had his powers for six months, here's how he's coping is very compelling and interesting. He also gets an introduction in Civil War. Yeah. It's, to me, kind of a perfect launching point for an origin story. And, like, what they didn't quite get right about America Chavez either is that, like, somehow she almost was the main character. Yeah. But didn't get to do anything. Yes. And instead, in Civil War, it's this great big ensemble. And like Mm -hmm. you said, it actually is about, you know, Cap and Iron Man. And what you get is this, like flavor of spider-man yeah where it's like oh spider-man gets to have this like he gets an arc but it's just to have this minuscule effect on iron man yeah and i think america chavez should have gotten to have like you said that minuscule effect on maybe it's wanda and strange yeah you know maybe she gets to influence the good and the bad and has to reckon with her place that like you know this kind of person that walks in both worlds so i'm looking at a list right now of recent mcu films okay so Recent kind of standalone movies we've had include Black Widow, which I thought was going to be Black Widow's origin story. It was not. It was Marvel's second of two 
female-led movies. It was not an origin story. Captain Marvel is the only female-led origin story box office film we've seen. We also had... Okay, we had Ant-Man and the Wasp uh, right before Captain Marvel. That was Wasp's origin story, I guess, but as kind of a tangent to Ant-Man. Yeah. We did get Black Panther. He did get in his own origin story. Um, We have Doctor Strange. We have Ant-Man. So then we kind of get back into the world of Thor, Captain America, Iron Man, the Incredible Hulk. And, you know, not to sound like the, the crazy woke people... But um, all of the guys, with the exception of Black Panther, who have gotten their own origin stories, have mostly been white men. They've been the white male heroes. Um, And then you think about all of the women who are being introduced, all the people of color who are being introduced to the MCU. And a lot of them are going to be introduced on Disney+. Plus. We're going to have Ms. Marvel, who's a Pakistani-American girl, introduced on Disney+. Plus. She-Hulk is going to be introduced on Disney+. Plus. Uh, Moon Knight was introduced on Disney+. Plus. He is a white man, but he's Jewish. And so we're just... They're kind of doing their origin stories on the side. Okay, I get it. You don't want to have every story be kind of the same repeated pattern. But come on, like, this is how we meet someone. This is how we learn who they are and what they're about. And it is the perfect vehicle for the hero's journey. This is someone who is in what they perceive to be their ordinary world... They are thrust into a new world of, you know, all this, like, unpredictable power, and they have to somehow figure out how to control this power and remain true to themselves at the same time. And there is not a more timeless story. And I think every character who has to grapple with that deserves that story to be told. And I think even Shang-Chi, which was our most recent quote-unquote origin story, really didn't give him that chance because they started in the middle. You know, if they had started with him as a kid, going through all of that, training with his dad, losing his mom, the impact in the end when he finally decides to, like, fight his dad and own his power would have been incredible as opposed to just framing him as this kind of, like, bumbling valet guy who has to learn how to, like, not be ambitionless. Yeah. I don't know. It's the choice of the ordinary world, I guess, that they chose to present for him. I, I'm i not sure why they're steering away from the origin story. Because it's not even so much that I have a problem with origin stories being on TV, but I feel like so many of the origin stories that even have been on TV weren't that origin story-ish. Mm-mm. Moon Knight was not an origin story. Mm-mm. It was That's an introduction. True. Yeah, you're so right. And Falcon and Winter Soldier was kind of an origin story. Except he was already a hero. I mean, already a superhero. He was. I mean, he became a new superhero. I did like that arc for him. But yeah, they're kind of just not fulfilling it in the right way because I think it actually would be fine. Okay, my new argument is that everybody needs an origin story. You can put it on TV. What you should be able to do is... If Shang-Chi wanted to start with the valet mm-hmm. and the whole story is just about, you know, having to reconcile with your demons, mm. I should be able to go back and watch a Disney Plus series that is Shang-Chi's whole life. And yeah. I can be like, oh, that makes this part of the movie way more impactful. Yeah. Because I think that's what we're talking about here is that, like, when you don't understand where someone came from, it loses all the impact. 
when you're figuring out where they're going. Yes. I completely agree. And I think that, you know, we're not saying this to be arbitrary or to just, you know, because we are uncreative and so stuck in the genre tropes that we can't see past them. I think that what we are recognizing is that, like, to make a good story, the person who walks out of that story has to be different than the person who walked in. And I think when you have a story that starts someone in the middle of their journey, you don't really get the that, like, huge differential. And I think that a movie also states its themes right up front. And the themes that are stated by someone who is, like, in a rut, in the middle of their life, you know, not yeah. sure what to do with their power are not necessarily as impactful as the themes stated by someone who doesn't have power, wants it, and then has to learn what to do with it once they get it. Yes. Okay, I actually have um, one disagreement with that, which is that I think... I actually think Cars, the the 2008 Pixar film... Say more. (laughs) ...is one of the greatest, like post-hero's journey stories of all time. Okay, I think the redemption story is also an excellent arc. Yes, where I, because I'm like, we never got Lightning McQueen's origin story, no. and I absolutely don't care about it. Yeah. Like, I understand how he became a famous race car. Yes. <laughs> what an insane sentence. <laughs> <laughs> They're in, this, in this world, people don't drive race cars. Cars race themselves. <laughs> That's amazing. It's a beautiful a Great thing. world building. Um, but I think what's so amazing is that, like, I love, because, like, you talk about the differential. Yeah. I think in Cars, the differential is actually, like, quite small and nuanced. Mm. And so, like, when I watched this movie as a kid, I was like, uh, yeah, car no get what he want, then he get what he want, and he happy then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and. <laughs> Just like that. I, as an adult, I recently rewatched all the Pixar films, and that one, like, stood out to me as like far and away one of the best ones because as an adult I have a nuanced understanding Mm. of what it means to make like incremental and minuscule but like really impactful changes in my life and so even though it's not about like what if one day I became a superhero it's like no what if one day I gave up a job that I liked to do something that I liked less but got more fulfillment in a different way. Mm-hmm. And it's like just like this slight deviation, but I was just like so impressed with how well it conveyed mentors and lovers and like the want and the need, which can be, especially in adult life, like so intertwined. Mm-hmm. And I think that a big problem with Doctor Strange is that like the want and the need were not that intertwined. No. Like whatever the artificial want was, this arbitrary relic had nothing to do with what anyone needed. No, I mean, I guess I think his arbitrary want is to be with Christine Mm. because I never bought it. Like I, he, he even knew he didn't want to be with Christine. Yeah. Like as someone who could have anything he ever wanted when in his origin story, he is so mad that all he wants is to fix his hands and he lets Christine walk out on him. Mm-hmm. To me, that was like, that want has gone out the window. Yeah. You need to think of a new want because Doctor Strange has already denied that one. Yeah. Or give us a compelling reason to like really believe that you have second guessed all your life choices up to this point. Yeah. Like give us a compelling reason to think that, you know, maybe here he is thinking, was it worth it? Were my hands worth it? Was this power worth it? I killed Tony Stark. Mm -hmm. 
should I have gone after the love of my life instead? Yeah. I mean, because I think, like, have him freaking meet Pepper Potts and see what Tony did with his life and how he was able to reconcile with his yeah. love. Yeah. I thought the first Doctor Strange was, like, a really good origin story. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I won't stand by a lot of things in the film. I think there's a lot of, like, bad portrayals of eastern cultures and they made a bad choice making it all mostly like white people and non-south asian people but i think the act one of like every day dr strange is a bitch boy (laughs) until one day he has big bitch consequences and then he has to reconcile with what it means to no longer be the biggest bitch on campus Yeah. And the kind of amazing thing is that in two hours, he's able to turn it around from I'm the best surgeon in the world to I'm the best sorcerer in the world. Yes. And I think what that gets at about origin stories is not even necessarily that like it has to be this huge, oh my God, one day I woke up and I was a superhero. And that's like somehow a bigger and better storyline than like one day I woke up and realized that something very small in my life needed to change. Yeah. It's just that It matters who the character is before. It matters because that will impact what journey they have to go on and who they become at the end. And I think especially when you are giving people this massive amount of power and trusting them with it as an audience that we're supposed to be on their side and rooting for them is we want to know who they are before. Like, and I think Dr. Strange, the first one, if it does anything right, it shows us in such a clear way who he is before he gets his power. And he does change in some like significant ways throughout that movie. And there's parts of him that don't change. And he is still kind of a bitch boy and Mm -hmm. still a jerk. Yeah. And it's what makes his character so unique and so interesting. Yeah. I actually think I'm thinking of a new problem for him. What if, because this whole thing is that what if he was... God, every time you say what if, I think it's the show. (laughs) Why did you do that, Marvel? I'm so sorry. (laughs) That the the movie posits like Doctor Strange really actually wants to be with Christine, mm-hmm. which like I said, I don't really buy because that wasn't his motivation in the last movie. And so I'm like, what if this one was that Doctor Strange after becoming the Sorcerer Supreme and like, you know, making all these changes and defeating Thanos and killing people and having great grave stakes what if he still just wanted to go back to being a doctor? Mm. A literal doctor. What if he was like, I understand the stakes of a singular human life. Yeah. I now have the magic that I can operate with my hands. And so what if he was like, Christine, take me back to the hospital. Like, yeah. I want to I wanna give up, you know, instead of the acceptance of the call, what if he had denied the call to be a sorcerer at all? Like, right. what if he was like, Wong, I've had enough. How And then how wild it would it be to, like, go to the hospital and see a member of the Avengers, like, in the OR? Just trying to be a normal dude yeah. with a normal career. And you realize that, like, with great power comes great responsibility. Like, you can never unsave the, the world. Universe. Yeah. And you can never deny saving an Avenger. Yeah. Like, <sighs> the two things that I felt like they were trying to do with his character in that movie that didn't sit with me were... One, the lesson that they kept repeating verbally, because again, this was something we had to be told Mm -hmm. because they weren't showing us, was 
You don't always need to be the person holding the knife. And Christine says that this is why she couldn't love him was because he always needed to be the one holding the knife. And that very much resonates with his like, you know, role in Endgame of he is the one who looks through the 14 million different possibilities for the, you know, outcome with Thanos. And he is the one who decides and picks the one, the path that they'll follow. And it comes at the cost of Tony's life. And I wish they'd just given him more. I wish we had seen the emotional impact of that on him more rather than just having people tell us you're not happy and this is your problem. Like, I also have two massive problems with this, which is one, someone does need to be holding the knife. Mm. I think that that is like, I don't know if it's, it's not exactly a logical fallacy. I actually have the most faith in the person who is most frequently holding a knife. You know what I mean? Like... (laughs) When you're going to the OR, you're like, okay, there's one surgeon who's done 100 surgeries, and there's one who's done 10, because the other 90 times, he offered the knife to nine other guys. Yeah. Like, to me, that that isn't it. Like, I, I think there's something to be said for constantly accepting the call of the knife. Yeah. And so, while that is, you know, oh, you're controlling, or you're difficult, I have one more thing. Okay. <laughs> which is that... At the end, he says, like, something like, I always have to be the one to hold the knife. And she says, like, Strange, you need to be less scared. Mm. And I'm like, those two things were not related to Mm -hmm. me at all. You needed to think of, I don't know if the writers, if it was midnight and the script was due, but it it didn't make any sense to me. It didn't, like, resonate with me. And I don't think Doctor Strange got anything from it other than, like, ah, we gave Rachel McAdams the last line. Yeah. Well, and I I did hear that there was a lot of turnover in the writer's room, so this may have (laughs) contributed to some of these problems. But, okay, so we've got him, in theory, being plagued by this question of, like, did did I make the right call? Why isn't his nightmares that he's having at the beginning when he's, you know, being plagued by these alternate multiversal realities. Why isn't it a version where he died fighting Thanos? Why isn't it a version where Thanos won? Why isn't it any of the 14 million other possibilities that he foresaw? Well, because that doesn't fit into the stupid Dreamwalker plot that we've established that dreams aren't just dreams, they're actual things that are happening right now, and you actually were just walking down a hallway with America Chavez. Right, which is why this kind of idea that he is being plagued by regret doesn't work. It's not sold in the movie. And I think that this is why I kind of feel like he would have been better not as the main character, but as a mentor figure. That, like, okay, he is who he is. He always needs to be the guy making the tough call. But as a mentor, you know, kind of the way that Tony Stark had to learn to be a mentor and, you know, had multiple failed attempts before he was able to, like, finally be a mentor to... Peter Parker. I think that having Doctor Strange try to be a mentor to America, you know, and having multiple multiversal versions of him attempt this mentor role and fail because he has to be the one holding the knife. He can't trust her. He can't let her become her own hero. He can't let her have the difficult, you know, Mm -hmm. ordeal that she needs to do in order Mm -hmm. to become a hero. He always has to step in and save the day. He always has to do that. And as a result, you know, things keep going wrong, his character keeps dying, or she keeps leaving, or whatever, that Mm. over the course of this, like, multiverse, these multiversal iterations of him, he 
we watch him, at least from our perspective as a viewer, learn how to finally be the version of himself who allows someone else to make the tough call. Yeah. I I think, I think that would work really well in that, like, yeah, I think we should have seen him fail because he failed to give up the knife. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what they were trying to do with this idea that, like, okay, they're almost at the Book of Ashanti, and he's like, oh, well, I can take your power instead of Wanda taking your power, and then that'll be better somehow, because even though you'll still be dead, it won't be in Wanda's hands. And to me, that felt like this echo of what happened with Tony Stark, where he's like, well, you'll be dead, but the universe will be safe. And so to me, that was like, okay, he's got this PTSD, like, he's, he's reliving this kind of same thing except then we only see it happen once and then the other multiversal versions of Doctor Strange are just you know they're not the same character who like cuz i feel like the the we we were talking a little before we started recording about like how interesting it is that like this is the most powerful one of the most powerful men in the universe and yet none of his multiversal selves are happy like there is so much parallel between all of them that somehow he has kind of become trapped that like no matter what universe he is he is in he's kind of made the same choices and so to actually get to see that premise play out that like across the multiverses his arrogance is a constant and then all these versions of him keep failing because of it instead of having like, okay, so one of them is worth America, but then one of them died with the Illuminati. And then one of them is like crazy in a tower. And yeah, I think that would play really well into our, like, what if, you know, the demon was inside you the whole time. Yeah. That like the horror is every time you open a new door into a strange world, it's the exact same fucking thing. Yeah. Like, you are the same. I I would have actually loved perhaps even more. I mean, as much as it was fun to see Doctor Strange with, like, a different haircut. Mm-hmm. Like, what if it was almost uncanny? Yeah. You open the door and the Doctor Strange looks exactly like you. You open the door and the Doctor Strange's apartment looks exactly like yours. And, like, you're running and you're running and you're, like, looking and... Every single one has, you know, killed Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. And then, like, every single one has threatened to kill America Chavez. And you're like, how can I escape this? What and choice do I need to make to make this different? Yes. And so, what if, yeah, Doctor Strange's story is that, like, he's horrified. You know, the baby thinks people can't change. Mm-hmm. You're You're stuck. And Wanda is in this, like, inverse of, like... There's infinite realities, but she's also coming across, even though all the realities are different, the outcome is the same. Nobody wants to be with her. Yes. And America is, like, running them through all these universes and, you know, looking for her own alternate universe. Yes. And isn't even able to find a single version. Because she doesn't exist anywhere else. Oh my god, this, see, this is how you tie these three disparate stories together. And I, so this is my pitch for why I think that this should have been America's origin story. First of all, I think it just did her dirty. Like, this girl has this amazing power and is the first Latina superhero, the first queer superhero in the MCU. I mean, we all know that Bucky is bisexual, but he's not (laughs) out. But she basically... Captain Marvel does have a really short haircut. I'm pretty sure she's bisexual, yeah. Okay. I'm... In my head, she is. Sure. (laughs) 
But I think that America, she basically, she has this incredible power, but she's just like, she's afraid to use it. She's afraid to use it. She's afraid to use it. Doctor Strange gives her a little pep talk. Now she can use it. That is her entire character arc. We literally never learn. We get her like trauma backstory that when she was little, the first time she used her power, she opened a portal, her mom's got sucked in and she never saw them again. Between that point and when Wanda's little demon monsters start changing her, chasing her, we have no idea where she's been, what she's been doing, what her goals have been, what literally anything about her. And we never learn. We don't know who she is before. All we know is that what she wants is to not be killed by Wanda. She is purely reactionary. Mm -hmm. She has no proactive desires or motivations of her own. And I think that that was just unfair to her as a character. But also I think that it would have been really interesting because, okay, in the literal sense, we've got this, you know, the, the ordinary world, the strange world, back to the ordinary world. The strange world in this sense, from Doctor Strange's perspective, is the multiverse. But because he knows nothing about it, we spend literally the first 30 minutes of the movie going from scene to scene to scene where one person explains the multi... America explains the multiverse to Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange explains the multiverse to Wanda. Wanda explains the multiverse back to Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange explains the multiverse back to everyone at Kamartage. And literally we are just told again and again and again how this works because everyone has to get on the same page. Imagine, though, if the multiverse is America's ordinary world. Mm -hmm. She knows how it works. Because we're with her, we know how it works. We can do all of the other explanations off screen. Mm -hmm. And her strange world is actually being chased by these monsters mm -hmm. or being confronted with Wanda or, you know, suddenly being wanted, having her power be wanted by someone. That is what's strange to her. But the multiverse, that's the ordinary world. Yeah, I would I would love if she was like maybe like Quicksilver or something where you sort of understand cuz like Quicksilver for example has great powers and he Super can fast. yes, he can explain them really quickly. They have all these really great shorthands to explain them and he has like all these really like kind of passive offhand ways to explain his ordinary world to you in a way that's, like, so quick, you know, like, okay, they slow down the camera, he runs around, knocks all the bullets off, he's goofing around and pushing people's hats back, you can tell that, like, he thinks it's really not serious. Mm -hmm. And if there was a way to, like, just do that for America Chavez to be like, okay, she can jump through the multiverse, this is so easy for her, this is so normal for her, that we don't have to spend any time even, like, I don't know, like, thinking about it. Yeah. It, that it's just, literally, we can just take it for granted. This We're is, in the multiverse of madness. This Welcome. is our first ten minutes in the movie. This is our setup. We'd see her jump through multiple universes, and we understand what's going on. Yeah. Also, we never understand, we never learn, I don't think, how Wanda learned about America. No. And so, what if it, this has been, this had been from America's point of view, and she ended up in our world, mm -hmm. or that she ended up somewhere with Wanda's kids and Wanda was dreamwalking mm. and saw America do this thing and was like, oh, if I could do that, I could be with my kids in person. Just, I don't know, connect their stories and also show us what America does when she's not being chased. Who is she? I know. I also was just thinking about when Wanda 
took us through the apple orchard. Mm-hmm. And to me, that felt a little like one of those Batman scenes where it's like, oh, this is just a, like, pull the rug out from under you, not quite right scene. Because yeah. I'm thinking about when, they, I mean, one, the writing was horrible. Yeah. When they're like, so, what do you know about the multiverse? And she's like, this well, Viz had his theories. He believed it was dangerous. <laughs> I don't even know if that's true anymore, because it seems like you know all about it. Yeah. You don't know your things from Vision specifically. You perhaps looked into it yourself afterwards. And so, am I supposed to be smart enough to figure out that you said that, you were lying, you made it up to trick Doctor Strange, and this was just a whole ploy to make us realize that you're actually in this, like, hellscape landscape and not an apple orchard? I don't know. I, I'm trying to figure out why that sentence even happened. Like, upon rewatch, I'd be like, oh, that's pointless. To me, that was purely trailer fodder. That was so that people would look at the angles of Doctor Strange and Wanda talking in the orchard, and then look at the angles of Doctor Strange and Wanda talking in the red place, and then make 30 minutes worth of YouTube content going, oh my god, this is the same scene you know, this orchard is all an illusion. Yeah. yeah. I don't really know what it was there for otherwise. And yeah, sorry, I'm still stuck on America because I feel like when we're talking about goals and motivations, they did give her a motivation, kind of. I mean, other than not wanting to be killed by Wanda, they give her this backstory and we learn that like, okay, the first time she used her power, she thinks that she killed her moms and she is therefore now very afraid of her power. Okay. And then did she decide that she wanted to give her power up? What if she met Wanda and Wanda said, take, I'll take your power away from you and you won't hurt anyone ever again. And America had said, okay, please Mm -hmm. do that. And then Dr. Strange from that universe was like, no, don't do it. Or has she been trying to learn how to use her powers or has she been searching for her mom's? I wanted to see at the very end of that movie, America decide that she's going to go off in search of her mom's. And, you know, we end with her, like, punching a big old star portal into the screen and then we cut to credits. Like, I just, I wanted her to want something. No, she seemed to just exist to scream and be tied down to tables. Yeah, no, it really, it really didn't play for me. And I feel bad because I really wanted to like her, but they really did her dirty and made her so simple. Yeah. And I think that the reason for me that she would have been the perfect origin story frame for this movie is because I think that to set Wanda up as a foil for America would have just explored so many of these interesting, like, crossovers between them of, like, loss and grief and you know, what would you do to get back the people that you love if you knew they were out there somewhere? And it just, you know, we could have cut so many scenes. We could have cut Wanda in the orchard. Like, don't, don't give us that. Like, give us Wanda with her boys. Give us, you know, Wanda in America. Or what if Wanda, like, you know, she becomes kind of this, like, all-powerful person with the book of the evil dead or whatever Mm -hmm. the hell it is. (laughs) The Darkhold. And, um... What if she could find America's moms? Yeah. And, like, you know, even if it's through the dark hold and, you know, America risks getting the third eye or whatever the effects are, mm-hmm. you know, 
she can't resist the siren song. Maybe Doctor Strange even tells her, no, the Darkhold is dangerous. Right. And America's like, I will do anything to find my moms. And so the two of them work together with sort of this villainous but also irresistible call. I completely agree. And I think that there was so... And it makes me really curious to see what earlier drafts of this script look like Mm -hmm. because it does feel like there were a lot of different kind of creative ideas pulling this movie in different directions. Um, And I think it it would be interesting to see what some of the earlier iterations look like because I do think that there is so much potential and maybe this is just in the multiverse there's a better version of this movie out there (laughs) um but I do think that like yeah there's just so much potential to weave these three stories together to you know give Doctor Strange the ability to you know trust someone else to wield the knife you know especially again yeah if Wanda and America do work together or Wanda's trying to tempt America and Doctor Strange has a reason not to trust America that he thinks I can't trust this girl to make the right call I'm gonna have to take her power away from her before she gives it to Wanda Mm -hmm. as opposed to just like the book is 10 feet away and there's a monster Mm -hmm. in the way Mm -hmm. then that really gives him a chance for some character development and this lesson that he's supposed to be learning You know, Wanda can maybe have a surrogate child in the meantime and realize that, like, these boys may be hers in another world, but, like, she has the opportunity to still be a mother to someone. Yeah. I think that's a much better story. Hire us. Yeah. Um, On that note, should we take a break? Yeah. Today's episode was also brought to you by Friends of Friends Recording. They have a recording studio in Humboldt Park in Chicago, and they have a, you know, full ISO control room, um, you know, multiple booths, kitchen and lounge, and uh, in-house engineer, Egan uh, Brock, who mixes and masters these episodes, can help you mix and master uh, your own shows. So uh, please feel free to reach out to them. If you need a recording space or if you need an audio engineer, um, you can find them at friendsoffriendsrecording.com. And you can also find them on uh, Instagram at friendsoffriendsrecording. Thank you. And we're back. (laughs) (laughs) All of three seconds elapsed in, uh, in this recording room. Yeah. Recording room, meaning Rachel's living room. Okay, so do you have more to say on, like, the story? I don't know that I do. Um, I think that I just... There was so much missed, I think, just empathy between these characters. Mm -hmm. Like, I think they really had a lot to teach each other. And none of them really seemed to realize it. They all just kind of wrote each other off as, like, okay, Wanda's crazy and evil. You know, Doctor Strange... Oh, we didn't even talk about the freaking Illuminati. Which, I mean, I guess that isn't related to our thesis of why this should have been an origin story film, but I do think that it lends weight to the argument that this should have been America's hero's journey. Doctor Strange is a mentor who needs to learn a lesson. Wanda is a kind of villain slash foil slash sometimes mentor that they both get a chance to learn while America 
grows into and accepts her power and goes through a journey where she has a starting point of like, okay, she wants to get rid of this power, give it up, you know, she doesn't trust herself with it to this ending of like, oh no, like I can own my own power. And, you know, I realize that this is something that I can trust myself with. I think that this whole, the whole subplot about the Illuminati was so unnecessary. I mean, yes, it was fan service. It was great. I loved seeing Patrick Stewart. I loved, you know, friggin' John Krasinski, Mr. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Like it was fun, but it was also just so unnecessary because the point of that scene seemed to be there is a really, really bad version of Doctor Strange out there. Therefore, we don't trust any of the Doctor Stranges, which if that is the point that you're trying to make, just do what we suggested and show us, you know, all of these very, very similar Doctor Stranges who keep all making the same choices. Then that would be justified. But for a panel of people who we don't really know to just arbitrarily say, no, no, we can't trust you because the version of you in our universe is bad. It's like, well, that, why do we trust your judgment? Like, why do, why does that mean anything and like why is that it's just becomes an inconvenience rather than an actually like compelling conflict because a conflict I think in order to be compelling has to internally resonate at least on some level and this one just didn't it was just like okay we're stuck here with these people and they're just like keeping Doctor Strange in a room while the plot is happening elsewhere yeah I think um I forgot what kind of like hero's journey this is called but it I don't know. They have a name for it on Blake Check when it's like, I'm awesome and no one will recognize that. Like, mm. it's like more like the underdog kind of story. And I think it, it doesn't really work after someone's origin story. To me, like, yeah. the underdog story can only be the introduction. Yeah. And so it can only be like, oh, no one thinks Shazam is cool until two hours later when he proves himself. But when you're Doctor Strange, you have already been the best surgeon in the world. Yeah. The Sorcerer Supreme. Mm -hmm. The person who defeated Thanos and saved this timeline. Mm -hmm. Now you're the whatever. You work in Comertage and do all, have all these other high stakes jobs. You cannot lead us backwards mm -hmm. with one sentence by the Illuminati, which is that like you're not who you think you are. Yeah. Because, like, Doctor Strange doesn't really have that many doubts about it. He's kind of mm -hmm. like, no, I still think I'm really smart, but I think you guys are confused. And that's not really a conflict. A conflict is, like, the self-doubt that, like, maybe I am evil, and he never really seemed to entertain that that much. He didn't. And, again, it's like, if he had, again, that could have been a compelling story for him to, like, have self-doubt and, you know, have... PTSD from killing Tony and et cetera, et cetera. But they didn't really lean into that. And so it just kind of became these empty words. And I don't know. I just felt like that whole scene was just didn't feel like it compelled the plot forward at all. didn't feel like it compelled any character motivation. And in fact, seemed to just confuse things because one of the, you know, fun little set pieces of this Illuminati headquarters is that they have Ultron sentries. So <laughs> this is a world in which, Ultron did not go crazy and try and destroy human life and therefore vision would have never been created. Therefore, how on earth is this a world where Wanda has kids? Because the Wanda that attacks them there is 
you know, our Scarlet Witch Wanda dreamwalking into the version of Wanda Maximoff that has children in this universe, who was the freaking dad? Yeah, okay, and so... And also, why did she not care about finding Vision this entire time? Yes, okay, that reminds me of something else that I heard on Blank Check, which is that they talk about how in the comic books... Wanda does not ever have children. Like, there are versions where she believes she has children, mm-hmm. but yes. that, like, the the comic books believed that Vision, as a robot man, with no sperm... <laughs> well, this is critical! Mm-hmm. That he cannot have biological children. And so that, like, in all of these, like, mental breaks, the children are not real, mm. or the children are not Visions. And so I'm like, are these children that she has created in WandaVision someone else's children. This is fascinating. Also, wow, what an interesting world it would be if in every multiverse she had created a hex and Wanda just keeps, like, going into her own fake realities. I think that would have been a very confusing film, and I don't think that's the choice they should have made, but (laughs) (laughs) that would have been at least offered a little bit more explanation for, yeah, where did these where did these children come from on a biological level? But, yeah, and also just, yeah, why does she not seem to care about a world in which Vision is alive? I know, because she was so in love with Vision in the movies and in the show. Right, and that was her whole, like, she didn't set out to create kids in the show. She set out to create a life for herself and Vision, mm-hmm. and then kids were kind of the byproduct. Mm-hmm. And now that that's gone, like, and she has even talked about how, like, traumatizing it was. She mentioned in this movie that she had to gouge, you know, the Mind Stone out of his head and kill her yeah. own, yeah. you know, the love of her life. And it's like, okay, well, A, there's a version of him that exists in your reality, B, mm-hmm. there's probably lots of versions of him in other realities, so go say hi. Yeah, go I mean, kiss Jarvis. I don't care. Yeah. I don't know. I I really think that they, because they did not know whose story this was, they ended up not doing justice to any of the characters. And I think that it is particularly frustrating for me to watch this movie and see it build as a Doctor Strange movie when I do feel like the two people who could have made this who this movie could have been about and had interesting storylines would be either Wanda or America. This could have been a Wanda movie. It could have been an America movie. And yet they chose to make it Doctor Sh- a Doctor Strange movie without giving him a plot of his own and therefore shortchanging both Wanda and America and leaving us, yet again, 28 films into the MCU with only two of them titled after female superheroes. And it just, it's just starting to feel like a pattern. And, you know, we're, we got Wasp introduced in Ant-Man. We're about to get Lady Thor introduced in Thor. Mm -hmm. And it just starts to feel like they're only introducing female superheroes in either TV shows or in properties that are led by men. And I don't know if it's because Captain Marvel tanked so bad, but that was their own fault. They made her a Mary Sue. Yeah, no, I mean, she sucked ass. And, like, I don't I know. That with all the love for Brie Larson in my heart, but... Yeah, she's fine. I just... She didn't get to do anything. And, I mean, her character was that she's confused about who she is. Yeah. Like, she had no internal conflict. The movie was nothing. Yeah. yeah. But that's their fault. That's not, like, female-led superhero movies can't do well. They can if you give her a character arc. Yeah. And not just, oh... 
She thinks she's fighting on the wrong side, but as soon as she learns what the right side is, she does the right thing because she's a good person. It's like, give her a little moral ambiguity or something. Yeah. Make her a person. I I know. No, I completely agree. I wish Wanda and America had their own movie. And I also, unfortunately, wish Benedict Wong and Benedict Cumberbatch. Are both their names Benedict? Yeah, I just realized that. (laughs) I was like, no, I said something wrong. I wish they had their own movie, because they're two amazing characters. Yeah, I freaking give Wong his own movie. Yeah, and... I don't know. Like I said, the first Doctor Strange just leaves such a bad taste in the mouth. Yeah. That I'm like, to me, this was this was the redemption. This was like, we've forgotten about all of like the Eastern tropes. We've forgotten about like the, you know, sort of bad imagery from the comic books. We're just ready to have two guys that do magic. Mm-hmm. And we, frankly, I, I, we didn't even get enough magic. Mm-mm. They're really... Oh, yeah, this was my other big thing. Was the scene where Wanda's attacking Kamartaj... They literally just use their magic to do shield and fireball. <laughs> and I'm like, there is, I mean, even within this movie, there is way more creative uses of magic. The freaking weird spiky music notes was bizarre, yeah. but at least it was inventive. Like you are the most powerful sorcerers in the world. Like, can you not, I don't know, conjure a giant snake to eat Wanda or like make Kamartage look like it's sunken beneath the earth or like create illusions or something that like is more than just shooting balls of light out of your fists like that's iron man's thing if you're gonna use a projectile weapon use a projectile weapon if you're gonna use magic do something interesting yeah no i completely agree also i 100 percent expected to see ned at camartage and i was really sad that he wasn't there me too i know i mean that was something else that made me sad is that like in no way home it seemed like the Spider-Man of it all was going to be a really big thing. And I don't know if Sony is just trying to keep all that stuff close to the vest because they're like, we yeah. got to release another movie in two years. Yes, that's true. Also, would Ned even remember that he has magic powers if he doesn't remember Spider-Man? Dang. But multiverse Ned might. You're running around the universe oh and you go God. find a different Ned. Oh my God. I, yeah, I also just thought that this movie was going to connect to the multiversal rupture that we saw in No Way Home, that, like, this was going to be a consequence. Because, again, I think the trailers are so misleading, and I think I am ready to swear off trailers altogether. Mm -hmm. But we get Mordo saying, you know, Stephen Strange, your crimes against reality will not go unpunished. And it's, like, very much implied that, okay, because of what Doctor Strange did in No Way Home by, you know, opening up this multiversal rift... That is why he is being, like, put on trial. Instead of just this, like, weird subplot where that universe's Doctor Strange wasn't trustworthy and so that universe's Mordo is just, like, has a hard-on for the rules and... Yeah. No, I completely agree. I wonder if we're finally getting to a point where we think Kevin Feige is weaving too tangled of a web. Mm. Because... I just recently rewatched the first Doctor Strange, and the second post-credit scene is Mordo having a conversation with who I keep calling Mr. Private Practice. (laughs) Um, He's just a guy who is in Private Practice and Doctor Strange, and um, he takes away his magic, and he says... This is the guy who, when Stephen Strange first loses the ability to use his hands... 
he sees this guy playing basketball and this guy had been paralyzed from the waist down and then had gone to Carmartage and regained the ability to use his legs. Yes. Yes. And so Mordo goes to him and he takes away his sorcery powers and he says, this world has too many sorcerers in it. I think this is being set up because they are in pre-production on the next movie where Mordo is going to have this opinion on something. Mm -hmm. And that's how so many post-credit scenes have worked, where it's like, okay, you see Thor's hammer, you see Loki doing this thing, you know, you see all sorts of little stuff, and it's usually, like, some Easter egg or scene from an upcoming film. We have now waited, what, five years? Six years? Six years. Six. Six years. And... They didn't pay off the post credit scene. Yeah. I did not see this universe's Mordo. And they even got the actor. Yeah. No, he was in it. They just, like, picked a completely different storyline. Yep. And I'm like, if you do not have a TV show released where you're going to have Mordo doing this, then literally what was the point of that? Yeah. I do think they have gotten very, very ambitious with the kind of web yeah like you said the web they're trying to weave and we kind of wanted to talk about this movie as well as like kind of the next entering the next phase of the mcu that like we have kind of crossed a threshold from everything that was before endgame now we've kind of had this like intermediary phase of introducing a few new heroes we had a couple disney plus shows you know, just kind of, like, unpacking some of the consequences. Like, we had Loki, he escaped during Endgame, so where's he been at? Wanda had this horrible, you know, traumatic experience, how she's been dealing with that grief. You know, Captain America, or I mean, Falcon and the Winter Soldier are dealing with the fact that there's no Captain America anymore. Like, kind of dealing with the aftermath. And now we are picking up and heading into a new phase where new characters are being introduced completely unrelated to Endgame. This is not just about tying up loose ends. This is about opening new doors. And they are opening the doors of the multiverse. I don't know where this is headed. I agree. I, I'm happy that we have so much more content. But I don't think if we're not heading for an Avengers, I don't think that this new installment has the direction yeah that the last 20 films have had it does feel a little aimless because we have in the last two to three years since endgame introduced the eternals a body of super crazy powered aliens who have somehow been here the whole this whole time but didn't do anything about thanos because they're non-interventionists the egyptian gods who same exact deal. The concept of the multiverse, America, who can travel between multiversal realities. The TVA, who are the time cops. Kang, who is trying to conquer time. And I feel like there's even more. And I'm just like, there are so many. It just kind of feels like they're opening the lid on every single new comic that they can think of. And just throwing it all together. And I'm just like, oh, and the Celestials too, which are Mm -hmm. like even one step above the Eternals. And I'm like, how do Celestials, Egyptian gods, the TVA, and the multiverse all fit together? And yes, I know there are people who are like comic scholars who have drawn out nice little maps for us of like the kind of Marvel hierarchy of like 
which gods are above which gods and gods to which gods. Mm -hmm. And is time outside of the multiverse or is time within our universe and et cetera, et cetera. But most people going to movies are not doing that. And I think that Marvel is at risk of losing people if they don't have some idea of how they're going to tie this all together. When do we get Kang crossing over with America? Mm -hmm. You know, when do we get the Celestials meeting Amit? Seems like it's going to be a long time. A long time from now. And are they just hoping at this point that, like, people are just watching individual films and going, oh, The Eternals, that's its own movie. Oh, Moon Knight, that's its own show. Yeah, I do think that's what they're trying to capitalize on. They just want... They want to have their fingers in every pie. Yeah. They want someone for... They want something for everyone and everyone to be paying for Disney+. Plus. Yes. And I think that... I mean, this is an interesting argument to be made, too, is that, like, yes, they can get away with that in the comics, right? Like, Mm -hmm. there are all of these things and more in the comics. And they just kind of coexist. Mm -hmm. And you have people who are fans of the X-Men comics and they only read X-Men. You have people who only read Spider-Man. Like, there are people who stay siloed within specific parts of the Marvel Universe. But I think with movies... People are so much more used... And this is, you know, we talk about genre tropes as just basically being a set of expectations. People come in with the expectation that, like, you watch Harry Potter in order. Yeah. No, I think they're weaving a really tangled web here. Mm -hmm. Should we close it out with some final thoughts? Final reactions? Score? Yeah. I was was just looking at my Letterboxd review. Mm -hmm. Um... Maybe we're going to review some reviews. Oh my god. Is this a new segment? Oh my god, is this a segment called... Is is this a good review? Good, good review, bad review. Good review, bad review. Um, let us know if you have a name for this segment. Yeah. We're uh, still yeah. workshopping. Because here we go. I'm going to start with mine, which is a really good review. Which says, The plot? I can hardly speak on it. There's a kid, damsel in distress, a lot of bitter women, and lots of screaming. The best parts are the Raimi of it all, the Dutch angles, the cameras flying, the gruesome shots where we rip an eye from socket and flesh from bone. Sometimes little guys haunt you and laugh and chomp and sometimes they propel you. You can't say drag me to hell, no license. You most definitely can't say no shit, Sherlock, also no license. Sam Raimi gets to beat up his best friend Bruce Campbell some more and I couldn't be happier about it. Strange and Wong and even Scarlet Witch have some amazing outfits. There's a bit of intro into the Foxiverse, but I guess Disney has to show off the IP that they can reference. Have license. I don't know why X drives a bumper car, and unfortunately, I don't think it suits him. This one has quite a few books in it, frankly, even more than you would think, considering the first one actually had a lot of books. One is a really good book, and one is a really bad book. This one is a little different from Evil Dead, which just had the singular bad book. (laughs) Perhaps they should consider getting a good book to balance the universe in Evil Dead. I just remembered a music note fight, and that was conveniently placed in front of a bunch of pianos and candles. I take no issue with these things because they were very awesome. This movie was just far enough out of Marvel's usual take that I think it really did something for me. P.S. I think I can like scary now. Hey Sam, scare me to hell, or something like that, Sherlock. I give that review a 10 out of 10. Wow! (laughs) I think it captured perfectly my feelings, which are that we've just spent an hour and 26 minutes talking about what we didn't like about this movie. Not what we didn't like. What could have been better. And yet, somehow, I was very entertained And it wasn't the storytelling. It definitely was not the storytelling. I think it was the Sam Raimi parts of it that, like, the weirdness of it and the, like, kind of just, the I mean, goriness of it, 
it was just different. And I think that those were the parts that kept me watching the screen. I think I could watch this again, like, at a sleepover. You know what I mean? Yeah. If, like, someone was like, should we watch something? I'd be like, let's watch Multiverse. Pull like, out the popcorn. Yeah. Sleeping bag. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I would pay money in a theater to go see it again, though. No. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Sam. Okay, do you have a review? Um, not one that I wrote. Can, am I allowed to read things that other people wrote on here? I think so. I'm not going to credit them at all. But there's a few things that I'm also like, most of these are not original thoughts. No. The number of people that I saw wrote something to the effect of, I support women, women's rights, but I also support women's wrongs. <laughs> Everyone's saying that. That's true. Okay. This is, this is a review from, um, IMDb. They said, six out of ten, not enough multiverse and maybe too much madness. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. I'm really middling on it. Because I agree that there wasn't enough multiverse. But I also think there maybe wasn't enough madness. I, yeah, I don't think there was too much madness. I think that they just could have balanced it out with a little more a little more multiverse. Okay, here's one. Five stars. Wong. All caps. <laughs> okay, we should also say that Rachel and I are reading two different scales of reviews. I'm reading them... <laughs> From IMDb out of 10, and Rachel's reading them from Letterboxd out of 5, so 5 is a, is a good score. That's a good, really good score for Wong. Um, I give that review a 10 out of 10. And I, I also, I'll give it a 5 out of 5. <laughs> <laughs> Benedict Wong is wonderful. I want to see him in his own movie. Um, he's just a delight every time he's on the screen. And he does so much with so little, because they really give him the barest scraps of dialogue, and he just somehow... I know. Is just so his compelling. his simmering looks are so mm. God the like absolute disrespect he has for Doctor Strange I at know. the same time as like being his friend is just yeah we love to watch yeah arrogant men get knocked down a peg um, okay this is another six out of ten review somewhere in the multiverse there's a better version of this movie that exists wow I'm gonna give that movie that review a four out of five because I think. Um, they're right, and I like the reference to a multiverse. True. I also saw, like, six different versions of that. So not... Points off for not being a super original thought, mm -hmm. but um, accurate. Okay, here's one. There are parts of this movie that they let Raimi direct. Ooh. I'm gonna give that one a five out of five, because I do think a problem with this film is that Sam Raimi didn't get to do enough with it. Yeah. I think if they had said, especially, like, this is going to be, like, your one-off film. Like, this isn't an introduction into the multiverse. This isn't anyone's origin story. This is just Doctor Strange goes crazy. Like, what if it's, like, a bottle episode? Like, the one where Doctor Strange loses his mind. Could have been a what if. Yeah. Yeah. This one gave it a 6 out of 10, but said, Wokeness ruins the movie. Whoa. <laughs> I'm going to give this one a one out of five because I don't know what they're talking about. And not literally, I did not clock one part of this movie as any woke, interesting parts. Oh, they elaborate, though, oh. on this one. There is so much wokeness in the movie. Just throwing in elements that are supposed to show inclusiveness instead come off as out of place and cringy. The chosen one is always a girl. I wish stories were told with intention <laughs> instead of a checklist from some marketing executive. I think they mean the gay moms, and I think they mean that America Chavez is female. Is that wokeness? Yeah, the chosen one is always a girl. Um, since fucking when? Yeah, that's since why the Sorcerer Supreme and Iron Man and Thanos, all those people were girls. Yep, Frodo Baggins, Harry Potter, <laughs> always a Yeah, female. their leaders, Gandalf, Dumbledore, mm -hmm. classically. Aragorn. Women, yeah. yeah. Their mortal foes, Voldemort, women. Captain Kirk, Spock. 
So woke, Professor yeah. X, Wolverine. Yeah. We love it. We love supporting women. Okay, wait. <laughs> I forgot I found one of the best reviews. <laughs> Alright, let's hear it. This last one. This one, this one's for, uh, you know, people who also love Benedict Cumberbatch and Jane Campion. It was crazy when he opened the portal and Bronco Henry stepped out. See, I haven't seen Power of the Dog. <laughs> this or one? The Power of My Gay Nephew. The Power of My Gay Nephew. <laughs> that's, that's how we've retitled five it. Five out of five. It's a really good and really weird movie, and the Bronco Henry of it all feels so silly and overwrought that you can't believe Campion pulls it off because you almost think it belongs in a Marvel movie. I mean, Bronco Henry is the name of a Marvel character, right? Like It has to be. Bucky Barnes is the name of a Marvel yes. character. <laughs> Bunky's best friend is Bronco. Bronco. No. Okay, do you have any more? Okay, I realize I only screenshotted the most stupid ones. Um, I have one more that says, When Wanda walked into the Illuminati HQ barefoot, I know that Quentin Tarantino went feral. <laughs> I also, Zero out of ten. I didn't know you were even able to capitalize words, or capitalize bold words on um, Letterboxd, but they figured it out just to write feral just, in bold. Oh. Um, dislike. I'm sure it's true, but also zero out of ten. I'll give it a two out of ten for accuracy. <laughs> God. I just don't want to picture that. Who's the other one? Who did I, Carly? Oh, <laughs> I have no idea. I don't want to say the wrong name and get the wrong person in trouble. Ooh, I love accidentally canceling someone. I am going to look it up, though. Um, do you have any more reviews? Just this 2 out of 10 one that said, Tenet makes more sense. Oof. I haven't seen Tenet, but I assume it doesn't. Um, yeah, I also never saw it. I feel like I kind of got behind on my Christopher Nolan movies. I didn't see Interstellar either. <laughs> and I don't think they have anything to do with one another, but um, Dan, yeah, Dan Schneider. Oh, yeah. Thought. Yeah, the feet guy. Anyway, on that note. Oh, wow. Okay, so overall, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I'm going to give it a solid three out of five for... I can't explain to you how fun and funny it was when a bunch of little demons were chomping around and being so scary to Strange, and then he gets unscared of them by realizing he's somehow in control. It makes no sense. And then Rachel McAdams cannot say drag me to hell, so she says, go back to hell, guys. That part made me laugh out loud so hard. And unfortunately, those are the redeeming parts of the movie. Yes, I, I do. did also like the... What did they say? Instead of no shit Sherlock? They said, um, no shit genius. Yes. Which has absolutely no ring to it. No. Like, thuds yeah. on the ground. Nothing. But, um, as Sherlock fans, we did appreciate the illusion. Um, I would say, on my scale out of ten, I would give it a seven. I think that there are definitely worse movies in the MCU. From, like, a pure entertainment value standpoint. Mm -hmm. I think that, yeah, the story was really convoluted and lacked focus, lacked main character, but it was fucking weird and I kind of loved it. Like, I thought that the elements of it that were, like, really drew from horror tropes, like, you know, they're Wanda's chasing them through this tunnel and they keep shutting the doors, you know, the <laughs> flood doors, and yeah. she keeps breaking through them and then she finally doesn't and then they're just standing there waiting Silence. and it's like, oh my god, where is she going to come from? Where is she going to come from? And then she's right behind them! <gasps> and I just, ugh, it was great. It was, those those aspects were 
made it worth it to me. Um, Yeah, really fun. Just so, so great. And then, you know, there was also the really dumb moments, like America Chavez has been afraid of her power this entire time, and then all Doctor Strange, he literally fucking possesses his zombie corpse, Yeah, has spirits become a giant flappy cloak so that he can fly to America and tell her, believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's all it took? Yeah. Maybe the belief was the demons that haunted Doctor Strange's zombie body the whole time. The whole time. <laughs> all along. Um, that's our show. <laughs> Do you have anything to plug? I don't. You guys know the drill. Uh, it's all genre to me at Instagram. Um, all genre numerical to me at gmail.com. Um, hit up our Kofi and our PayPal. Um, you can find my personals link there as well. And also all my stupid rants about Sam Raimi. Um, and I think that's it. What about you? Yeah, just um, on Instagram at GlazerDonut. Um Yeah, follow us on Instagram. Let us know your thoughts. We'd love to hear what you thought of this movie. If you agree, should it have been America's origin story? Or should they have just gone uh, Strange and Wong buddies forever? Yeah. Let us know. Buddy cap. Buddy cap. Buddy cap. (laughs) Buddy cop bottle up. Yes. I was going to say buddy cop, and I was like, mm. But not not cops. Not the police. Yeah. Just two little buddy sorcerers. Buddy sorcerers. Okay, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. It's all genre to me. This episode was edited by Rachel Baldwin, mixed and mastered by Brockman Day, theme song written and performed by Rachel Baldwin, music created and mastered by Brockman Day, artwork by Rebecca Glazer.